Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, fresh from watch shopping, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy, did not pull the trigger on anything, but yeah. you have a fever. I, I mean, what we probably should do is just start a second podcast that's just us talking about watches. Um, so look forward to that, listener. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly... <coughs> Most watch podcasts that I've listened to are just excuses for people to talk about coffee, classic cars, <laughs> just guy, middle-aged stuff in general. Yeah. Right? And watches are the avenue by which you have an excuse to talk about those things. But being honest, our excuse to talk about those things is Magic the Gathering. So here we are. Here we are. Right? <laughs> um, Cameron, again, it feels... Weird how much we feel like we've been in a, a cycle where we're back to talking about the metagame all the time um, <coughs> of these formats, right? There was a, once upon a time where it felt like we were just talking metagame of standard and legacy, like nonstop. <laughs> then we then we kind of got into more of a news kind of you know thing, especially as COVID hit. Now we're kind of back, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of metagame to discuss. Um, I don't know that I have like the most positive things to say in the world. I want to lead us off with Explorer, because you're certainly more of an Explorer player than I am, but I tried to play some today and yesterday, and I have some concerns, but I want to hear your outlook first. Yeah, I would say I'm enjoying the majority of decks that I'm playing, but I have concerns with where the format is and possibly where it will be heading. Um, so this week I've been playing... A lot of the creativity deck, um, which is the Indomitable Creativity, Torrential Gear, Hork combo, essentially. Um, and, I mean, like, it, it's a very playable deck because of Fable the Mirror Breaker. Uh, and then, all of a sudden, I start playing my Aetherworks Marvel deck. Uh, lo and behold, a lot of the good Aetherworks Marvel decks that I'm looking at now are playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Um, and this is a consistent theme that I think we are starting to see in a lot of things. The Grixis deck, Fable the Mirror Breaker. I mean, like, you know, there are things, obviously, that don't rely on that. The mono green deck is still very powerful and can win games. But I can't believe just how important, like, that turn three play is now where it's, like, you have to be playing that enchantment for a lot of these decks, just for ramp, for card filtering, for the big blowout at the end, you know? So, um, I guess I, I don't think it's banned time yet for, for fable of the mirror breaker, but like, I feel like it is definitely putting the, a limiting factor over the variety of decks that we should be seeing in explore. So Cameron, let's say today I had a bad experience. I got Nyxthos three times in one turn. Yeah. Um, where they kept hitting it off Storm the Festival. And maybe cast 20-something mana worth of stuff in one turn. And I, I kind of just went back in my head to them talking about, and we mentioned this last week, um, uh, about how they have a distaste for standard being very mid-rangey. And they like decks to have a stronger identity and people get attached to those identities. And 
my concern about Pioneer slash Explorer is that we're headed way too far down that direction. And I mean, should I look over both shoulders when I say I really like mid-range magic? And I would love for Pioneer slash Explorer to not be about an incredibly aggressive aggro deck or cheating something massive into play, mm-hmm. which is essentially your options, right? Yeah. I, I guess Mono Green gives you a little bit of both, and that's why it's the best deck in the format, right? Um, but I guess you could say that the Rakdos stuff is mid-range, but I, I think that is a, you can kind of, tweak it to be in one far direction of aggro or one far direction of control i don't think it tends to live in the middle right Mm -hmm. um but my point is this i've i find myself either going i need to play mono green or i need to play like a creativity or fires deck and it is entirely possible that i'm doing this wrong um but it really feels like we're headed down a path where we're going to be in the exact same place that modern is where, okay, I have a deck identity, right? Mm -hmm. But is that deck identity healthy? Is this really a good thing for competitive play to have these really set in stone archetypes that don't really interact with each other in ton? And I, I don't know, like I feel like so often your deck choice matters a lot in those scenarios once you've kind of quote hit mastery. And if there's, if there's one thing that you could lay at the feet of you know the really peak era of legacy is as a criticism is that the matchups matter too much right sure that if you were delver versus you know storm it was too hard for storm or whatever both players were at peak competency right um i would say this like and again take your bingo card out obligatory fab mention here but the thing that's nice about Flesh and Blood is the decks really have identities and there are lopsided matchups, but you still have to interact quite a lot through the games. And I would say whenever we're in these pioneer scenarios, I mean, you've, you've spent a week playing creativity, right? Mm-hmm. Like when that deck does its thing, your opponent has done nothing, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the Auras deck is kind of like that too, right? Like, hey, I vomited a bunch of enchantments on a dude. Good day, sir. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's weird because it, it's not like the turn four format that modern was, you know, always seeking to try to be or whatever. Because I think a lot of these decks, they don't win on turn four, but they do their big thing by turn four. And th- then it's just like, let the dominoes fall with Aetherworks Marvel. Let the dominoes fall with the Cavalier Thorns Nykthos deck. You know, like a lot of the same sort of thing. So I, I feel like. I don't know what I'm trying to say other than um, Thought Seize needs to be better. <laughs> but if we if we wanted to live in a world where Corsair of Crufix, Knight of the Reliquary, Tarmogoyf, like I think Tarmogoyf would be pretty unplayable in Pioneer right now, right? I, I feel like the only place that I'm really getting creatures attacking and blocking significantly is limited like the kind of magic that i would like to play in these standards right um or explorer i guess which Mm -hmm. lives in this weird kind of middle ground um that being said i'm really struggling with why should i play anything other than mono green um yes there are decks that are good against it but it feels like those decks are complete garbage against everything else Mm mm-hmm 
or do I just play auras, you know, and slap a bunch of auras on? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I just, there doesn't feel like there's something there. And maybe, maybe it needs to be something really extreme, like a printing of sorts to plowshares or, you know, I like lightning bolt. There's just really, to your point, I never thought we'd get to this stage, but like thought sees and fatal push don't feel like enough mm-hmm. to stop these decks from operating, right? Because if you're holding a thought sees and then you, you know, you cast thought sees and they have two fable, the mirror breakers, like you're done. That's it. Right. Like yeah. <laughs> you take one and then, you know, uh, kiss your rear end. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> I have to ask Cameron outside. So uh, is, is there anything else you've got to say about Explorer? And then I want to kind of float to standard because mm-hmm. I no. think that's where we kind of got to otherwise talk about today. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, it's the thing I'm going to be playing all summer and uh, I'm going to probably live to regret it is what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'll say again, and it'll probably feel too late by the time you get there. The limited format's really good. Yeah. A March of the Machines. <laughs> Um, if you want interaction, if you want variability, if you want, you know, a lot of things like they did it in the limited set. So that's cool. Um, I decided to play five color ramp um, in standard, which has gotten some results here and there. And let me tell you why it gets results, because it dumpsters black red <laughs> like it is so good against that deck. Right. Um Grixis mostly too, but really the Invoke Despair crowd does not want to play against Five Color Ramp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is the only deck where sometimes, like, I've actually Leyline Binded my own dude. So whenever I have to sacrifice an enchantment to uh, Invoke Despair, I get the tri- the ETB trigger on a Traxic. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like they invoked despair me, and I drew five cards. Awesome. <laughs> now, so, I- is your deck running Sunfall? Yes. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, basically, it's got herd migration, and Black Red is doing these like, like it's playing like an ant ma- eight mana sorcery to try and beat it. They're like they're doing all these really bizarre things to try and like get around it, um, but it really doesn't work. Like they even cast my, an attraction off the top of my deck drew like four cards and it still was not enough yeah okay like because i just like oh hey i lay line binding them and then you know do my own stuff and it doesn't matter right like if you want that control vibe in standard this is your deck however i found that it's awful against esper legends it's generally probably not good enough against mono red and pretty terrible like any thalia as soon as thalia hits the board you're just like <laughs> great 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 right so it really struggles in those moments like pretty substantially and like the sideboards are very tilted in that direction right i can't remember lithomancers something the the deal five damage to any blue or red creature um like it has four of those in the sideboard so anytime <laughs> you see the old four spot in the board you know that this is a concern right um but it still hasn't, I mean, I mean, this is not going to sound that shocking to you. It still has not alleviated my concerns about standard, right? Like the play patterns on my side at least are different. But when I'm playing against Esper Legends, it's the same stuff. Like, and I found myself feeling somewhat hopeless 
about the state of standard, Cameron. So I guess that leads us into kind of our one topic. So we are eight days out from this massive standard ban announcement. And it occurred to me, if they just hit Fable of the Mirror Breaker, I, it will not rekindle my interest at all. Mm-hmm. And in yeah. fact, I don't think it's going to be enough. I'm thinking it'll be more cards than that. You know, we've talked about wedding announcement slash Rafine. What do you think is going to be the thing that makes Esper Legends not dominant? What would you take out Ooh, from that? Man, uh, how I have to like actually look at the um, the li- I mean, like, I mean, Rafine, obviously. I mean, like, what do you take out? Like that. I, I'm really struggling with this, like, because I, I just don't think they're going to take out Shieldred, right? Like, it, that card is still fairly new. But, I mean, at this point, with not rotation, I mean, like, maybe they're going to just go nuts and something like Shieldred is going to go as well. Cameron, I feel like I've lived long enough to become the villain. I think Thalia might be the answer. Ooh. I think that might be the thing that needs to go. Like, functionally, you 100% cannot play control into that card right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you <coughs> in Legacy, you could play control into that because there was all these, you know, you're discounting a Terminus with Miracles or whatever. But Sunfall is not getting discounted, right? And <laughs> yeah. the difference between five and six mana in Standard is monstrous. So I think Rafine, Thalia need to be the things that go out of Esper Legends. Okay. I actually don't hate the idea of wedding announcements staying, hmm. but it can go. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are approximately 7 million other legends. I don't know if you know this, but there's this multiplayer format that they like. <laughs> um, and they keep printing dudes for it, right? Um, so, so there's that. But I think I, my personal thought would be Invoke Despair's got to go, too. Yeah. Yeah. I I am stunned by how often people think that card is not that good or played too often. I, I, I heard somebody, like, uh, <laughs> compare it to uh, the five-mana Yawgmoth enchantment from, like, Dominaria. They're like, oh, it's just like that. It's like... No, 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 no. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I mean, I of all the decks in standard, I feel like that's the thing that has resulted in me losing out of nowhere more often than not, right? Mm-hmm. And you just heard me say, I intentionally play enchantments to play around that, right? I also think black could really use a nerf or 10, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like both black and white, like... Okay, so l- again, let's just play this game for a little bit. You cut Fable of the Mirror Breaker. What is the second best red card in standard right now? I that's the I think we've talked about this. I don't know. I like probably something from like bloodthirsty adversary like monastery swift spear like i'm trying to think like the mono red deck has i'm things. not going to count blood tithe harvester. I'm not going to count that. That yeah. card is not mono red. Like just straight up red. Right. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, don't. I, I mean, play with fire, maybe. <laughs> Probably like <laughs> Kumano, like the the one mana enchantment saga. There, 
there is a six mana Chandra. There's I, it, the There's answer's stuff. probably a braid. The answer's probably a braid. Oh sure. Please don't matter. Sure. Like it's it's yes okay it's a braid, but our braid is a, a fair and good magic card. Yeah. I shall not be smirched the name of a braid. Not on this podcast, right? Um, that's that's the kind of red card that we like to be good, <laughs> right? It's it's splashable. It's really a control card. Yeah. And we use it. Okay, let me hit you with some other weird ones. Reckoner Bankbuster. Mm-hmm. Would you think about that one being gone? I mean, it's the type of card that enables a lot of different decks, right? Like It's like this one that feels kind of benign to me because it's colorless, because it's two mana, but it enables a lot of different decks to generate a lot of value. So it's an incredibly good card, and um, I mean, a lot of decks are playing it. You know, it is just, it's like that thing that enables a lot of different engines. So let's get rid of it. I guess we're playing, let's do yeah, it. we're just playing this game of like, what what is more annoying than it is good? Mm-hmm. What would freshen up standard without upsetting people? Um, but I I think we would have to start with, there needs to be some black card and Invoke Despair. Shieldred might be that card. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it would be Liliana of the Veil, which is crazy, Cameron. Crazy Imagine to think, if I right? told you that Liliana of the Veil is in standard and almost seeing no play. That would be wild, right? It is wild. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then again, I think Thalia Wedding Announcement. I think Thalia would also be kind of this, like, everyone's got copies of that, so it doesn't really hurt anyone's pocketbook, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it doesn't really affect the soldier's deck, because I don't think they even play Thalia main deck. Yeah. It's all just beefy guys, right? I was going to say, but, and she'll yeah. find a place in Explorer, right? I mean, so your play set, you'll be able to use in something else if you really wanted to. Yeah, but, like, Wandering Emperor's illegal, and that, like, almost never sees... Like, this is where we're at. It's mm-hmm. just such a strange... I don't know. I think they but need my... to do some stuff. Like, honestly, like, there's not a good control deck. And I do, I really do think that a good control deck is an indication if there's a healthy standard or not. Like, because it helps keep so many other things in check. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people complain about Theros or whatever, but that blue-white control era was really, really good with six mana Elspeth and whatnot. So I would love to see a playable <laughs> control deck of, of some sort um, somehow rise to the top. And very beatable. That was a very beatable control yeah. deck. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, that was actually the era where it was really good against, like, some of the mid-range, like the, you know, green-red dinosaurs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or green-red dragons. But actually terrible against mono red and kind of medium against mono black because that yeah. was that era, you know. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm hoping for six cards being shown the door. But I don't know that they'll go that intense because they want to keep people in. Like that's the whole idea of this non-rotation. But I'm just worried that the whole thing will backfire. Mm-hmm. That it actually makes it feel a lot more stale. Um, anyway. Cameron, you know what's not stale? All the new and fresh other entertainment we're into. It's true. 
So let's get out of the segment, come back and talk about it. All right, Cameron. So I want to lead off with this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game on iOS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you this. Do you like Hades? The video game that came out about three years I, I've ago. I've liked but not finished. I feel mm-hmm. like that's a, that's a thing you could say about every video game with me, but yes. <laughs> sure. Uh, what if I told you that they took Hades, put a Ninja Turtles coat of paint over it, and called it the exact same game? Uh, it is startling like how close this game is to Hades as far as like three-quarters view, top-down, sort of isometric thing. I mean, the cutscenes like they have like the same sort of like great voiceover with like whatever images, power ups on top of the turtles. I mean, it's a roguelike sort of thing where you have a home base, you leave every single time and everything kind of continues to unfold as you play through the game. So, I mean, it is it is 100 percent like just cribbing on Hades, which honestly is not a bad thing to do. Like that's a like a genuinely good game you know, roguelike type game that I think is kind of like defining and like what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Ninja Turtles is doing the same thing. And um, this is free on the iOS. Well, I'm sorry. Um, I, I subscribe to the Apple game, Arcade, Apple Arcade. So I get all the free stuff. Um, and this is available on it. And it's, it is really well executed. Um, like it, it has Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It has like, just a really good polish to it. Uh, the voiceover uh, work on it is really, really good. And um, I like me some turtles. I really do. Like, I mean, I'm still nostalgic for this franchise 30 something years later. So um, it, it does, it, it's hitting a lot of things for me. So um, you could do a lot worse as far as like finding other games on the Apple Arcade store. This is one that really kind of is like, I think a better, um, one of the better ones to check out. I'm really digging it. Sweet. Um, I have Apple Arcade as well, and I'm at a lot of kids' sports practices. So the, the likelihood of me downloading this and playing it for like 30 minutes once is really high. Yeah. And yeah. then if it'll live past that, because I'm still on really bad chess, that's kind of my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, but this sounds sweet. I yeah. kind of wish it was on Switch. Dude, it sounds like something absolutely. I'd rather play with a controller. I, this is something actually I can play on my my TV at home, and so I can plug in an Xbox controller and play it that way, and it works. It's so much better than playing it on a phone for me. You know, I need the tactile stuff. Yeah, we're old. We want buttons. Yeah, yeah. Virtual. You know. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's the deal breaker with the Tesla. Like, I'm, <laughs> sure. I'm not looking to touch a screen to increase the volume, guys. Sorry. Yeah. I want a knob. Call me old-fashioned, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like we should put the song Old Fashioned by John Coltrane in the back. <laughs> like, that, that just describes me, right? I want, I want that volume. A um, couple things I want to talk about here, Cameron. And one is a real chicken in the egg thing, okay? So... I used to be a big Fitbit guy, right? And then I wore a G-Shock with a Fitbit. Then I combined it all into an Apple Watch. Then I got annoyed with my Apple Watch, and I went back to a traditional watch. But then on my other wrist, I wore a wearable, right? Mm-hmm. With no screen, 
And weirdly, the thing that I need the most out of these is sleep monitoring. Like, okay. yeah. yes, when I go through my spats of working out, I use it to track my workouts. But really, it's more important for me because I'm not kidding you. And Cameron, you know how obsessive I can get about things. Like, if I'm, like, into a draft format, I will stay up till 1 in the morning and have to wake up at 5. So the sleep monitoring helps me stay accountable because I'll say, I stayed up too late. I didn't get enough sleep on my monitor. I need to, like, take care of it the next night or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I used one by Amazon. And um, it was called the Amazon Halo. And last week I got an email that was like, uh, due to lack of interest, we're discontinuing the service and we're <laughs> refunding you the money that you spent on it. So good on them, I guess, for doing that. I mean, the downside is Amazon's probably ruining the world, but at least they gave me my 50 yeah, bucks they, back they, on my wearable. Yeah, they did good. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so now I'm stuck between um, a, what's called a whoop, I don't know if you're familiar with these, but it's like it's a similar kind of tack. It's a mm-hmm. little bit more expensive, but it's a, a screenless band that you can passively wear. Like it goes five days between charges or whatever. And this aura thing, which is a ring. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so this is me asking you blind. Any interaction with any of that? Do you have any coworkers that use any of that? Or is everybody in your world an Apple Watch person still? Uh, a lot of Apple Watch, a lot of Fitbit whatever versions of Fitbit watches, you know, those like are the two camps. Um, there, there's like that one lone stalwart that's using like the Samsung gear still. <laughs> Very but nice. yeah, I, I think it's just, it, it seems like a lot of people are still using Apple watch and a lot of Fitbit and I don't see anything in between as far as like other wearables. So like I'm in the dark with this stuff as far as like what, what should actually, what you should actually check out. Yeah, everybody I know that wears a whoop is like a much more serious fitness person than I am. So I I know no one that wears the aura ring. I mean, I know they exist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the whoop, like everybody that's a marathoner or like an Ironman person, they either wear a Garmin or a whoop. Mm-hmm. They don't wear like Apple watches, like not <clears throat> intense enough for them kind of. Yeah, yeah. 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 Insert your smug thing here. So... <clears throat> Anyway, uh, I'm on this journey. We'll see where it lands. Um, Yeah. There is zero chance I want something that has a thing that tells me the time. Like, (laughs) now I'm just like, I'm so far down the road at watch snobbery. As you should I I kind of find Apple Watches, like, to be obnoxious. And and again, they're good products, and I've worn them, and I've enjoyed them. Yeah. I just felt like the roadmap for that product kind of got to a place where it was very much not for me. And every time I tell this story to another like person that's like really into Apple Watches, they're like, "Why didn't you just turn the notifications off?" Like they tell me this, like this is like an earth-shattering thing, and it's like, then it's just a watch I have to recharge every night. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the? If if you turn your notifications off, like what are we doing? But like, in my current life, like I'll get if I'm at a meeting for an hour, it's not uncommon for me to walk out and have fifteen to twenty emails. Yeah, you don't want that you know, on your wrist. Yeah, I I really don't. Yeah. Right, so. Um, I want the craftsmanship of a well-made Swiss timepiece. That's Absolutely. what I want, Cameron. You're speaking my language. Um, so the other thing I want to mention here uh, that I'm I'm pretty excited about is Flesh and Blood. So check this out. This is what they're doing. So they have this uh, tournament series. Again, we kind of um, mock how uh, obfuscated Watsi's stuff is. They're doing a tournament series called Road to Nationals. 
and you'll never believe this, Cameron, but winning it gets you qualified for your country's nationals. I know, it's shocking. Mm. <laughs> um, but they had this set that came out during the pandemic called Monarch, right? And it's probably one of the poorest selling sets of Flesh and Blood. And so, like, anytime you go to a store, you almost always see boxes of Flesh and Blood. So what they've decided to do is allow Limited of Monarch, which came out, like, two years ago, to be part of this tournament organization and structure. So now people are having to go back and buy the physical product of a draft set that came out two years ago that's still widely available. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And learn to draft it because they never had to draft it during the because it was during the pandemic. And so, you know, we've talked so much about how Watsy does such a poor job of leveraging their old limited product. Mm -hmm. Like if they just said, hey, guys, we're re-releasing Dominaria. Like you can just get a box of just straight up draft boosters of Dominaria. We're just doing a reprint. You'd buy one of those boxes, wouldn't you? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That would be a great weekend. That would be. Uh, instead, we get <laughs> like how much supplemental product that has no tie to anything else, right? Um, yeah. I mean, if you're a big Transformers fan, I bet it's great. But uh, it's just another one of those things that I think is a really cool idea to go back to an old draft set and be like, okay hey, we weren't as popular as we are now when we released this, and we really want you guys to experience it. You That's know? awesome. Yeah. And so I, I pay uh, on Patreon for an AI draft bot thing where you just kind of draft and play against the computer. And uh, I've never played this format. I've opened one of these boxes because it was super cheap. Like It was like a $50 box one time. Wow. Okay. Um, so I'm moderately familiar with this set, but it's also there's a set that's coming out this summer that's kind of the sequel to it. So they're tying together in a like a lore way too. So anyway, still loving Flesh and Blood. It's totally worth checking out sometime if you get a chance. I haven't been able to play physically much because of the aforementioned work schedule, but man, is it a cool game. Man, yeah. is it a cool game. Mm -hmm. All right, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about both Flesh and Blood and Quality Time Pieces, where could they find you? <laughs> That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>